You're listening to Eric Rogel Talks with Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes, where you'll hear real stories of the journey to modern manhood, told by the men who lived them. Raw, real, and 100% unapologetic. And now, here is your host, Eric Rogel. Hey, this is Eric Rogel, and thanks for joining us on Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes. This is where each week you'll hear real stories of the journey to modern manhood told by the men who live them. And this is another special roundtable episode for you. I got the guys together to talk about the interview I had with Gareth Roriston. If you haven't already, go listen to Gareth's episode. It's episode 17, Living Fully as Both Your Tribal Man and Civilized Man. And even if you've heard it, maybe give it another listen. Because my talk with Gareth brings up some really good points about what it means to become a man and how different it is in tribal societies versus our civilized Western society. And we go deep into the tribal rituals of becoming a man and the training young boys get to turn them into master hunters, men who can provide not only for their families, but for the whole tribe. And Gareth himself went through these rituals and training, and it's given him further insight into how to raise his own young son, encouraging him to embrace both his civilized self and his natural self. Now, the men participating in today's roundtable with me are John Archer. You'll remember him. He's a former corporate guy who's now an entrepreneur, and he's a a key member of my uh, WLKH podcast team. We have uh, Alex Borges who is a former combat Marine who now teaches a warrior workshop. Um, Fantastic workshop. We'll get you links to that. We have Mark Haney, who's a former top corporate sales trainer, who's now a life mastery coach. And we have Doug Cerny, an attorney and entrepreneur. So we open our roundtable with a discussion of masculine aggression and using competition, especially combat sports, to satiate that side of us. And Gareth and I talked about the value of being punched in the face. So we'll pick up the roundtable discussion with Mark. What I, what I really liked was when you were talking about when you were doing karate. And you said that the instructor had you guys lined up and you were talking to him and he just punches you in the face. And he's like, most guys have never been punched in the face. You need to get used to this. Oh, man. It's like I could so feel how that it, because I've been punched in the face. And I can remember the first time I was punched and it was like, oh, this just got real. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, I mean, I just thought that was so, there was so much that came up for me around that, just that, that one thing. So yeah, I really liked that. Yeah. The guy that, um, that did that was, it was a great instructor down here named Bert Rodriguez. And he taught Kung Fu and he also taught kickboxing back in the day. And that was like his big thing was until you get used to getting hit in the face, you know, you're, you're not useless, but I mean, you know, you, you've got to get used to that and get over the shock of it. And I think that was what, what did it for me. What I was kind of talking about in the episode was it was just getting over the shock of that first time getting hit in the face. After that, you're like, Poof, all right, yeah, no problem. I felt this. I can keep moving. Yeah. You know, that's what Garrett was. I liked what he was saying because I've watched growing up, I've watched a ton of boxing and I love watching MMA. And just in watching it, the perception is, is like, they're just, they're just doing a sport. But I loved what he said. No, this is not just a sport. You are in a fight. I always wondered, it's like, how do you, how do you get in there and hit a guy and take hits and get hurt and inflict pain without being all into what I call destroyer mode? 
I'm going to win. And then at the end, shake hands and, you know, get your, get your prize or whatever. But I just really liked how he pointed that out because, you know, I've watched sports my whole life. I love watching sports and I just always think of it as it's just a sport, but I love that viewpoint. Because yeah. how do you get in a fight with somebody as a sport yeah. and not want to destroy them? Yeah, and it was part of it was testing yourself, right? You're testing yourself. He's testing himself. And you guys are there to just prove who's better at that moment, right? And yeah, so, exactly. So there is that mutual respect of I'm in the ring, you're in the ring. We're here to test each other, and let's just go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I love when he said these guys, they come in, they're fighting, and and then they – go into a boardroom or do a presentation or get in front of lots of people. Yeah, this is nothing. I just was barring to the death in this MMA ring. And here I am doing a presentation. This is nothing. Following up on what Mark said, I mean, his, his quote was along the lines of you play football, you play cricket, you play tennis, you don't play MMA, you fight. Yeah. You could really feel the, the natural part of that, the natural man's wanting to see who's better than who, in just that raw element, you know, and I could, I could feel how he must have been, he seemed to have really enjoyed the fact that he's, he grew up doing physical stuff, notwithstanding that he was supposed to be growing up as a gentleman and all that. And he, he could see that, that it, at least I could feel with him, that that was really important that he tapped into that because otherwise it sounds like he, who knows what he would have done if he got frustrated and didn't tap into something that was a healthy release for him. Yeah, it was the balance too, right? So it's that understanding that, you know, growing up British and being this, you know, proper British gentleman, but then also understanding the beast and allowing himself to express that when in, you know, in the proper way, in the ring, right? That's where he did it. It wasn't, he was out, wasn't out in the streets smacking people around. It was in the ring. Yes. Yeah, it was deliberate. Because when I put my attention on growing up and it's like anytime I got in a fight when I was a kid, it was because somebody angered me and it was reactive and it was like being able to just be like very deliberate with my aggression and this is how I want to do it. I know he got into the it's personal or it's not personal, but when you're hitting each other, it becomes personal. But at the end, it's not. It was, yeah, this was very deliberate. We're going to fight each other, see who wins. And that was one of the takeaways for me was like just being more deliberate and less reactive. Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, it's, again, it comes down to that proper use of the masculinity, right? Not, not letting it go out of control, but actually doing it in that deliberate way, like you said, and in the proper place. Yeah. too. Yeah. Alex, what's, yeah. what are you thinking, bud? Um, this one had a lot for me in multiple different facets because I do teach um, a lot in the warrior workshop around, like understanding the animal consciousness and it's still part of us one uh on a, on a psyche level and two is on you know a biological level you know even doctors call it the animal brain you know and if you build your psyche on without it's like the base of it if you have no connect to nature no connect to these natural desires no connect to these things that we just want to do as men or taught as bad it's like literally your psyche is built on sand. If you don't have the foundation of just being able to operate in intensity yeah. and within um, winning, I mean, that's fucking grounds for winning. There, it's simple. Nobody gets a participation trophy in MMA. 
It's you fucking win or you don't win. You can go to any martial arts school, jujitsu, taekwondo. Okay, you two guys square off. There's a winner. There's a loser. There's no, okay, you guys both won. No, bullshit. It's like literally, and there's an honesty in that. There's no more bullshit. It's like I get in a a jujitsu mat. The guy chokes me or I choke him. He taps out or I tap out. There's no in-between ground. But it's the same in life too, right? I mean, there is no participation trophy in business or whatever. Either you win or you lose. Either you get the client or you don't. There is no participation trophy. I love that point. Yeah. No, I agree, man. It's um, it's all about getting back to the basics too, right? Competition. However, yeah, competition. Exactly. However, in our society, it's taught that that's bad or it's up or down. You know what I mean? That's is this is where you develop a good um, understanding of competition. I mean, we're all sports guys at some level. I have my sports. Doug has his sports. Everybody loves a certain sport. And in that, when you see guys have the biggest rivalry after they retire or something like that, they become best friends. There's this immense respect amongst competition. And two, that some people come in and just blow everybody out of the water like a Jordan or something, Barry Sanders or something like that, where they're just so far above, then the game changes completely. Mine have been combat sports. So I would say, you know, great leaders, Alexander the Greats, these type of things come along. And that is a healthy building of your courage. All our core principles, it builds courage. It builds honesty because you have no choice. I won or I lost. That's honest. That's as honest as it gets, you know? And it is the base foundation for us, I believe, personally, as human beings, you know? But then we skip it in society. Everybody gets a participation trophy. Everybody gets something to win off of. Oh, wait a minute. Don't make it too intense. We don't want to make them feel bad. It dumbs that down. And by the time they get to the real world, completely lost of like oh shit i just got fired because i didn't do my job well that's how simple the world is that's what i think we're losing in society today where you know there isn't that pressure there isn't that competition so men aren't testing themselves whether it's other men or whether just be against any kind of situation where they can go all right i bumped up against this i failed i got to get stronger now i know how to get stronger now i'm going to move forward right so when you get this whole there isn't a winner or loser. There isn't this competition. We try to make it, you know, oh, everybody gets a trophy. You lose that sense of how do I get better by slamming up against this challenge, failure, obstacle, whatever it may be. And, you know, in that, it just really proves that point. The rite yeah. of passage, right? It's yeah. like what he was talking about with the rite of passage, with the boys learning to hunt the elephants and learning to hunt and how to interpret what's going on. We've lost the there's right no participation. Of there's no participation trophies in hunting either, Mark, because you either no. kill the animal and you eat or you starve or the animal kills you. So it's the same Been thing. There. There. Yes, absolutely. How many times are you going to accept a loss or what, what we call failure? Failure is part of winning and it's what makes you a better winner. Oh yeah, I agree a hundred percent. You have to, you have to experience that in order to understand well, it's the contrast, right? Yeah, the other side of it. Mm-hmm. You if you don't experience the failure, you can't really fully experience the win. You cannot. You can't have winning without failure. It's impossible. You can't have good without bad. How could you ever appreciate a good piece of pizza if you haven't had a bad piece of pizza? It would just be pizza. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty much what it is. That, you know, and unfortunately, it's how a lot of people go through their life, right? 
They don't exactly. want to be too far to the extreme. I don't really want to win a whole lot. I never want to really, you know, experience failure or losing. So I'm just going to kind of go through the middle. And that's not really in existence, right? There's no, you got to have those highs and lows. You got to have yeah. that contrast in order for things to really have flavor. Please. What I'll say, Eric, um, around all of this and the nature and what I, what I really liked was the way, and it made total sense to me, how these guys that come to this, you know, class or I guess what do you call it, like a retreat or oh, what did he call it? fitness you're talking about? What do you do? Yes. Training? So, yeah, yeah so, they, that up. so cool. Thanks. So they come to this functional fitness event and he talks about how the men just instantly connect back. And it's kind of what, what Alex was talking about how it's that fundamental thing in the psyche of a man that is missing from today. And all they do is come to this event for a week or two or whatever it is, they go through these things and instantly, bam, they, they know what they've been missing and they connect right back to it. It just was interesting how he said just so deliberately and boom, it just pops right in for these guys that come in and seeing the transformation in them almost instantly. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah you know, what was, was really fascinating to me too was when he was talking about, the, the transformation, but when he was saying like how when he's over there and he's working, even his hands, like the strength in his nail for tearing and ripping and, and, and you know, pulling things apart and climbing and yeah. all that got much, much stronger. And then when he came back over out of that situation, it all kind of, you know, I don't want to say faded back, but reverted back and got weaker. And even the jaw, when he was talking about biting and, and chewing and how the jaw would get bigger and wider and um it just really comes back to you know this is our natural state right being out there doing things using the body um grabbing climbing chewing fighting all of these things are so natural for us and i loved how he was talking about the tribe and how they would hunt the elephants and how they figured out their communication and all of this and they didn't have science it's just natural it is a natural state of being and then it just came up for me in my whole life where it was like i started out natural but as i got more information put in how i gave up my natural and just tried to conform to be more like everyone else because i wanted to get whether it was the attention of of girls when i was hitting that adolescent dating phase or when it was in the corporate environment of wanting to get promoted, I gave up my natural way of being to align with what society was expecting as opposed to what I knew was just naturally correct. Yeah, you know, Mark, I think a really good point on that too is how Gareth said that um, Kenya itself is becoming a, de a democratic uh, capitalist society. Yep. So they're actually losing this as well. And the Wata tribe that he was, uh, had became so close with, their numbers are dwindling and they're losing their culture and their, their heritage and all of these things as they become more brought into society. And I, I really felt when he was saying this, because he did say at the end of the interview, that was like his life purpose, right? Was that he wanted yes. to yes. really save this, this tradition. And what I could feel in it was, you know, it's not that he's just saving this one tribe. It's really about saving that natural man for Absolutely. all of us. Yes, yes. Exactly what I felt. It, that was exactly what I was feeling. And it was like then reflecting back on life. It's like, 
where I sacrificed that because I gave someone else my power instead of tapping into what my power was and how I knew that was the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And Eric, on that point, when you're talking about his purpose and how really it's about saving the masculine and they're, what they're doing there uh, throughout the world, I thought it was very profound when you guys got into a discussion around courage and there was different definitions of courage Gareth was talking about, depending on what perspective you come from. But then very at the very end of that discussion said about the Watha tribe there, the courage really was to maintain their way of life. And to me, it was just a metaphor for the courage to be your true self. And with all the influence of society, all the change going on, you can still be yourself. And for the Watha tribe, that was their tradition and their culture. But for everybody else out there, all the men that are listening here, I think it's just that is really, that really takes the most courage is to be in integrity with yourself and be yourself and who you want to be. That's where the most yep. courage comes from. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For me, I'd like to jump in here. That was um, big for me also. And uh, what John just said about perspective, it's like perspective on the competition too. Like this guy's my competition, but it's all about judgment. And in today's society, we judge competition as bad. Like he's trying to take me down or he's trying to do this, you know? For me, switching the um, perspective of competition, he's actually my best friend because he's pushing me up and I'm pushing him up and then yes. we build off each other. You yes. know what I mean? And around, um, like, um, it's like people have a hard time with this. Keep America great again. I could see the courage in just keeping our core principles of freedom and Liberty just within this country is so important to even a lot that are, you know, we duly elected a president for it. Around that, there's a lot of other countries that are electing presidents more into like, hey, you can be great, I can be great, and but I'm going to worry about my greatness and what my country looks like is great. And it doesn't. And we can disagree, yes. We disagree, we can build each other up. Well, then be greater than exactly. you. Great, awesome, yep. good for you, exactly. and good for me both. You know what I mean? It's a race to greatness, not just, well, he's trying to put me down. Well, no, maybe we're just trying to put you up. So... Uh, yeah, there was a lot from this one for me, for sure. Cool. Doug, anything else from you, bud? Yeah, yeah. I, that, one of the things he said in here that really struck with me was he, he talked about natural instinct. And he said, being in the ring is a contained and controlled environment where you get to express a natural instinct. Well, there you go. He's gone. He's talking about natural instinct. He's talking about expressing, you know, your your fighting ability. And then he had a great phrase he says and that's the height of civilization to me i mean that is fantastic when you think about it it's it's getting to your basic natural instinct which has a certain amount of aggression a certain amount of physical element to it there's a certain amount of pain yep. you yep. it, right yep. and so even though there's that he says that's when you're at the height of civilization when you can be feeding your natural instincts and yet at the same time it's a contained and controlled environment Right. You're not in there to kill the other guy. You're in there to compete with the other guy. Yeah. Prove yeah. yourself yeah. against him, right? And when, it, when, I'm, when I, as I was, as he was talking and I'm, hit, I'm feeling this, I was well aware of how he, he seems to have really tapped into many different aspects of 
hit of what man being a man is about. It's about being physical. It's about being forthright with your fellow man. It's about supporting fellow man. You know, he has, he's, he's tapped into a lot of different, what I'll call just good, progressing, moving man forward, saving man kind. I agree. You know, um, interestingly, as we're talking about this competition and we're also talking about the, you know, participation trophies and all that other kind of stuff. One of the things that really, really struck me was when he was talking about the rites of passage for the Watha, right? I asked him about, mm. you know, the, um, the trials that these, the young men, the boys have to go through in order to become a man. Now, I, I understand the three parts of it being so important. You know, the first part was the elephant dance and perfecting that, that dance, right? Which just is to show that you have this respect for the animal, their totem animal. But the second part was what really, and then obviously the third part was you had, in order to become a man or become an elder, you have to have, a, you know, um, given the kill shot during a hunt, right? And actually taken down the animal. Yeah. Completely yep. understand that. But what really got me was the second part, which was in order to have permission to be married, you must be able to prove that you can make a fire from friction, friction only. And that really got me because it was an amazing part or an important part of their culture is you must prove that you can at least supply the basic need of fire in order for you to prove that you should be able to have a family. Yeah, to be a man. Yep. Be a man, to have a family, to be married. Head up a household. Yep. Right. So, I mean, to me, that just was like, wow. I mean, can you imagine in our culture if we did that? If we said you have to just prove a basic ability to provide the basic level yep. of necessity in order for you to get married and have a family. Yeah, that would cause some problems. <laughs> but it's so like just natural, you know what I mean? And it was like the other thing that I saw in this was like everything is about your viewpoint. You understand? And I see Facebook posts all the time where it's like people want to just post out killing elephants. You're, you're terrible. We, in America, we hate the killing of elephants. And I mean, sure, to go out and just kill an animal and leave it lay for the thrill of shooting it, even hunters would never agree with that. You know, that's just, that, that's just craziness. When you get into like what their viewpoint was, was this is what we've done for our entire life. It's like you see another viewpoint. It's like everything is not just my viewpoint. My viewpoint is... And even if I'm right, it doesn't make you wrong. There's a great meme that's on Facebook where two guys are standing there by a, looking at a number on the pavement. And it's a six or a nine, depending on where you're standing. One guy's standing on one side and he says it's a six. The other one's standing on the other side and he says it's a nine. Just because you're right doesn't mean I'm wrong. And that is like what like a takeaway is this like always see the other viewpoint. Because what these guys are doing is holding on to their heritage. And it is a, I love the point he made at the end about how their heritage could teach us a lot, but we're trying to stifle it out from one viewpoint instead of opening up and seeing the other viewpoints. Hunters that I grew up with, right? We never just went out to kill something because to kill it. And he even made a reference to the American Indian and their love and respect of the bison and their love and respect of the elephant to where it's like he said, you've got to be like brutal 
to kill an elephant because when you understand an elephant, it is hard to shoot an elephant. And I just thought it was just like arrow, so right? powerful. Shooting it with was a bow and arrow. I mean, that takes an incredible amount of skill and knowledge to do. Mm -hmm. And you know, Mark, I want to piggyback on what you're saying because what, what I remembered from the interview as you're saying that is how Gareth was able to, when they, when they found, when he first came across the tribe and the elder, and it was because they had been caught, po what, what yeah. considered by the Kenyan government is poaching. And they were like, yep. no, we're just surviving on this. And he actually sat down and spoke to the elder and got his viewpoint on what it yep. is they were doing and what they yep. were forced yep. to do because of the rules that were put in place Yep. without their not input, but, you know, basically outlawed something they've been doing for generations and generations. And if they but just their sat courage down and spoke to do them, it anyway, right. But their if they just sat down say, and spoke to them, they would understand the reason exactly. why. Exactly. We're going to do it anyway, because we've always done it. And to me, that is courage. It's like, I don't care what you say is the punishment and what you see, we can have a discussion, but we're not going to change just because you've changed your viewpoint. And that's what I just took out of it. If America could adapt just some of what that tribe was doing and, and their courage and their tenacity to stick to things, regardless of other people's opinions, willing to speak about it. Because what I found interesting in that, in the scenario that you were giving was, here's this guy that came in and he was representing the bad guy, let's say. Yet, he was still fine to go sit down with him and have a conversation. And he told him, heck yeah, I poach all the time. I get in trouble for it, but I do it. Any because you call it poaching, I call it heritage. Well, and survival, right? Heritage, survival. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, no, completely. And you're right about the courage part of that. It takes a tremendous amount of courage to be sovereign enough and maverick enough to stand in that and say, no, that's just your viewpoint. Here's mine. And I'm okay with you having yours, and you got to be okay with me having mine. Doug, you want to lead us off on what you're taking away and, and what you're going to be uh, kind of integrating going forward? Yeah, I really could feel the energy of being true to the um, natural self of wanting to uh, be one with my body, be, be a lot more um, energetic, a lot more moving around, you know, I mean, there was even times when he, the way he's speaking about, you know, the, the different parts of his body, the hips, the movement, the strength, the hands and all that. It just felt like, wow, he's really in touch with understanding how to be much more homogeneous, much more balanced. And I'm not just physically, but also, you know, mentally. And I, I think that's a, that's a great way to look at things from a, uh, everything I do that's a little physical only helps me you have a clearer mind and a better body and that makes a big difference in your attitude towards what you're taking on on a day-to-day -day basis yep. yeah and it's natural yep. right getting back to that just yep. what he was talking about was natural you don't have to go to a gym you don't have to pay all these monthly fees and everything just go out and do something right you can get right back in touch quickly yep. yeah and eric for me and doug you brought this up you used the word balance and i thought towards the end of the interview it really came together for me when he was talking about how he was raising his son. And also on the Watu tribe, they realized that yes, Kenya is becoming this democratic place, there's changes happening, but I still need to preserve this natural state of being 
that that the tribe is it lives the way they live and looking for that balance between nature and i guess i i talk i call it nature in the in the intellect or intuition in the intellect there's a lot that we can learn from these these tribes out there that live more naturally and what doug was yep. saying about more in the body and things like that but there's also the value in the intellect and how do you balance that and i thought a really great example of it was how Gareth observes these guys, sees what they're doing, and intuitively feels that this is a good thing for the body. These are natural movements. It's going to you know, align my posture better. It's going to do all these things. But then using his intellect to actually put together this really well-thought-out program so he can teach it to everybody else and pass that along. And, so, and then when he talked about raising his son, about, yeah, I want him to have some of the exposure to the city, but I also want him to get him out into the savannas of kenya as well and it's all about this balance nature versus the society and their this balance so that's where i'm looking at in myself and how i can yep. balance those two things and get get more of the the nature because that's where i can feel i'm a little out of balance yep oh no i agree John. That's beautiful too that balance is so important and yeah i'd forgotten what he said about raising his son and, and wanting him to experience both sides right incredibly important and i and i look at it myself i think that's a takeaway for me too is not enough of that natural not enough of that nature and you need to get back to that so mark what were you going to say yeah i was just i mean i loved how john just wrapped that up i mean fantastic viewpoint there john my main takeaway from this whole thing is how i feel things in my life just naturally i just feel like i should do this and i know with everything in me, whether it's in business, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in nature. I know we're talking a lot about nature. How do I bring this back to living in Southern Florida where we don't have elephants and we don't have all of this, where I just learned to trust my natural intuition. And I loved what, what John was saying about the balance. It is about balance because look, Science has given us a lot. We've made a ton of advancements with science, but everything in life is about balance. It's not about just, well, science was right about this, so trust science with everything and forget nature, forget natural. Everything that we do in life, you take it into a career type of atmosphere, right? It's not like I just do everything the way they say. I need to trust myself. You don't know everything, and I don't need to spend all of my life just trying to earn respect because everybody respects a successful man. We look at the heroes and everything that we have in, in the, I'll, I'll call it the business world. When we, we always love to reference the Steve Jobs and the Henry Fords, the real game changers, but it's not always about that. It's about having that balance in your life of where, yes, I'm very successful and I get paid for what I do, yet I also am aware of the other things that I want in my life where I want to spend time with my family and I want to spend time outdoors and I want to do these other things to live a fulfilled life. I have to create that balance. And I thought this interview just showed that so clearly for me anyway. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Mark. And I know you're right. You know, we do live in South Florida. There are no elephants here, but there are gators. So are you down for some gator wrestling? Maybe a little. Oh, you better believe it, man. One of the things I've always wanted to do was go gator hunting. It's like that would be so much fun. 
there's so much that we can do. But he said wrestling. By the way, he didn't say gator hunting. He said wrestling. Hey, I'll, I, I've watched Crocodile <laughs> Hunter, man. I'll go. It's like I, I figured it out. Yeah, he, he didn't I, end up too well. You might not want to do that. But <laughs> not from a gator. He got, he got killed from a stingray. <laughs> Alex, you notice I don't go in the ocean. Alex, you notice how much more he was ready to go gator wrestling than he was skydiving? True, true. That is true. Hey, he I'm still waiting for the invite, guys. I'm all in. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm all in. Keep waiting. Keep waiting. And the other, the other point, just to uh, carry on with Mark on that one, in the nature, I took away more of the nature in the, the fact that tapping back into what our bodies and what the, the human species was more meant to do and built for yep. And, yep. and aligning more with that. Uh, that's that's kind of where my perspective on nature was. I totally get the like let's be outdoors thing, but all those things he was talking about. Obviously, his education in um, was exercise science and things like that. Some of that was really interesting, and I'd probably like to research that a little bit more and find out more about that. I just thought it was interesting. He was talking about the feet and how when we put shoes on when we're a kid and we kind of lose all that. Just little things like that that you never even think of. And I thought it was really interesting to hear the, that perspective on nature. Yeah, you know, I think, John, the nature, we use the word, you know, if we were to use the word natural, right, we need to be more natural as men, right? Just with yes. our body, with our psyche, with our beast, with all of it, just be more natural is what I'm taking from that. And I remember part of the interview when he talked about sitting and how detrimental sitting is to our body. Yes. And that humans were never meant to sit, right? They would go in, like the, in the tribesmen, they go into the deep squat. Right? So their spines yeah. feel erect and they go into this deep squat and they don't actually sit. We're in these chairs and we're thinking, well, this is awesome. This is comfortable. This is great. I love this. Yes. Our bodies up by doing it, right? So it's like little Everything's things like that. Comfort. I can totally see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. There, that, that, that goes into, I work with a lot of Filipinos. The Filipinos work a lot in the boat industry and the marine industry. And they do that. They sit at lunch like that. I was like, what the hell is that? So I would sit with them and like jokingly do it years later just recently i found out there's a uh, very core uh, muscle called the psoas that's literally like helps digestion attaches basically your legs hips to your upper body and by that deep squat it stretches the psoas and strengthens yep. the psoas which is what a lot of people say oh work your core work your core it's actually something a bit deeper than just core muscles it's called the psoas i like to wrap up it's around the balance thing and all that what i really took away from that too for me especially because i've lived um multiple ways within society but also very naturally in my travels and obviously in the marine corps and other things i've done and we asked him about I, I don't remember where it was but he said he was talking about his son he's like no i want my son to get okay look yeah this is where we come from but this is where we're going and he talked about finance and capitalism and like New York, Hong Kong, Singapore, London, the, the major financial centers of being able to operate in both, getting exposure to both and realizing where one improves the other and vice versa, you know? So it wasn't just, hey, uh, let's go run barefoot naturally because it's a cool thing to do, but the value it had in actual modern day society and financial centers and just getting along also within society more successfully. And I was like, wow, well, yeah, that is the true benefit of it. It's not, yep. I want to be Tarzan. I'm just going to run off to uh, the fucking Serengeti and be a, a Bushman. But by the exposure of being more natural, it provides benefit to my current life within society. 
I took yeah. that away uh, tremendously. And, and, and especially because like uh, I'm an entrepreneur and, and the financial part of it is big to, uh, to improve also, but it was the balance of, okay, this is where we were, but this is where we're going. And this is where both come together. Cause for me in society, and even within my own life, I would look back on the past and be like, man, they're so primitive. Look at that hunter gatherer tribe. I have so much more from the ego. I got my, you know, comfort and air conditioning and yeah. I have so much more yeah. Yeah. and took that from a place of superiority, you know? And now as an adult, when I look back on it, my maturity, I'm like, wow, I got to this point because of that, there's a respect of it. And not just that, by not losing that, and integrating that into my own life, I'll be more of a man, of a, of a real self-actualized person because I'm all facets of myself and I can take that nature moving forward. Yeah, what I get from that, Alex, too, when you were talking about the both sides of it, I felt the word purpose, right? If you're doing it purposefully and there's a purpose behind going out into the Serengeti, there's a purpose behind going into a financial center it's way more beneficial than just doing it to do it, right? Just, you know, to be out there jumping around. So I really felt that when you were talking about that, that, yeah, the purpose behind doing it is so, so important. I want to thank all the men who joined me for the roundtable today. And I want to add that purpose really is all there is. Without purpose behind everything you do, you're essentially just aimless. And looking what we talked about here even tapping into your masculine aggression must have purpose. Just being aggressive for the sake of being aggressive is pointless and can be dangerous. So having that purpose to express that aggression is so important. And when you do channel that aggression with purpose, you're unstoppable. Also, I think it's important to remember to challenge yourself, to push yourself and get uncomfortable because that's where the most growth happens. And I know for me personally, talking to Gareth has inspired me to make it a point to get outside more and use more of nature to train, to get back to my natural man. So now I want to hear from you. What are you taking away? What insights did you get from listening to us talk today on the round table that maybe you didn't get the first time you listened to the episode? I want you to let me know. You can find me on social media. The links are on our website, wlkhpodcast.com. Just click there and leave a comment. And remember to subscribe so you get every episode as soon as it airs. And remember to rate us and leave a review and comment. And most importantly, like I always ask, make sure to share this with men you know will get value from it. I want to thank you for listening to Eric Rogel Talks with Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes today. I'm Eric Rogel, and I'm honored to be with you, to be your brother on your hero's journey. And I'll talk to you next time. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. 
Yeah, yeah, right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.